Start your engines and join me in the new mobile game, RuPaul's Drag Race Superstar. May the best superstar win. Available now. In a world full of straight people, aren't you glad there's WOW Presents Plus, the number one place in the world to see Drag Race? Subscribe to WOW Presents Plus. Still only $4.99. Subscribe today as streamed on TV. I'm Matt McConkie. I'm a writer, performer, and host of this podcast about And Just Like That. But now that we've recapped both seasons of the show, I couldn't help but wonder, should I go back and cover the original Sex in the City? The answer, of course, is no, but I can't be stopped, so every week I'll be joined by my very own Mirandas and Charlottes to unpack an episode or movie of their choosing. We're doing Sex in the City Roulette with extra Samantha and none of the Che. And just like Matt, welcome to the show. Folks, what can I say about today's conversation? It's kind of podcast imitating TV, imitating life, imitating art. That will make sense in a moment because this is the episode of Sex and the City where Carrie meets Alexander Petrovsky, and you know how I feel about him. We'll get into that. It's also the one where Robert tells Miranda he loves her on a cookie, and Charlotte finds inspiration in Elizabeth Taylor. And Samantha, and I can't believe I'm saying this again, but Samantha has yet another pubic hair story. Season 6, episode 12, and it's called simply One. And I am joined by not one, but two amazing guests. The first one is a comedian and Emmy-nominated writer who's written on The George Lopez Show and Samantha Who and Mom. Her comedy album, Mouth Punch, is one of the most played on Sirius XM. She also teaches meditation privately and monthly on the podcast, Depression Mode. Laura House, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. We are also joined by the woman who's dubbed the godmother of alternative comedy by LA Times because she is the creator and host of a little show called Uncabaret. She's also the author of the audiobook So You Need to Decide. She's also got a creativity coaching program called The Infinite Creator. She also happens to play a key role in this episode of Sex and the City. Beth Lapidas is here. Beth, hello. Hello, Matt. Hey, Laura. Hello. So happy to have you both. Beth, let's just table for a moment the story of your iconic role in this episode. We'll come back <laughs> okay. to it. All right. Before that happened, what was your relationship to Sex and the City? Well, um, Michael Patrick King was often on the stage at Uncab. So mm-hmm. uh, amazing storyteller, as well as, of course, TV writer and director and producer. And um, so a lot of the kids would come over and uh, hang out. And I mean, besides being a fan, you know, there was a lot of um, nights the cast would be there or, and some of the other writers, many of the other writers did, Uncabaret had a spinoff show called Say the Word, which was TV writers writing the story of their lives. And Mm. um, a lot of the writers from the show, Cindy Shupak, uh, da, 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 Julie and Eliza, Eliza, Eliza. Mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. having a little brain fart there. Um, would would read stories in that show. Meryl Marco, I think, might have written on Sex and the City and was also part of 
that uh, Judy Toll, a lot of the writers have, you know, circled through. So um, it was kind of family, I would say. Wow. So deep, deep connections before you even. Um, Very deep connections. This, yes. This, yes. Uh, Let me say it much more dramatically. Deep ties. <laughs> and, and Greg Barrett kind of too, right? He oh, was Greg Barrett. Good mm -hmm. point. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't mean to get into. No, bring it in. I don't mean to yeah. myself an uncab super fan, but uh, yeah, remind <laughs> me. Um, yes, I mean Greg Barrett, who famously was in the writers' room and was the you know lone male voice. Before, you know, in the writers' room, there were the stories about you know the dates and the thing, you know, the stories, and then at one point, Greg just said, um, you know, maybe he's just not that into you. And then Liz Tuchulo, uh famously, who's also had has read great stories at Uncab, you know, was like, huh. And they wrote the book, uh, He's Just Not That Into You, uh, a book which is so good, even the title tells you what it means. And yeah. um, and so, yeah, Greg, and I'm sure others that I'm forgetting. Well, speaking of TV me. writers, <laughs> Laura House, I believe Sex in the City played an important role in, in your writing career. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, it was, my first spec script was a Sex in the yeah. City spec. Again, like I hate to sound like settle down grandma's talking, but <laughs> that was, you know, a spec script, a show that's on TV and you write a fake your own episode of mm -hmm. it. I don't even do that anymore. But I, um, yeah, I spec, I don't remember all the stories, but I remember the theme was about cheating. And so it's such a fun show to spec because it has such a great, this just the setup is so great. So like somebody was cheating at something like Scrabble and then somebody was being cheated on and then somebody was like cheating at a, you know, high yeah. a variation of stakes of cheating or different, you know, where somebody was taking a shortcut, I think that kind of cheating. So it's, I don't know. I just, yeah, I love it. I'd love to read that, uh, that spec script. I'd love to have it. I didn't even think I had a computer. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, I had a computer. Like, I don't even know what electronically it would be. I know when I handed it to my agent, it was a printed draft. Like it's eighteen oh six. Wow. Yep. And I, Laura, I know you have not um, had a chance to catch the new show, and just like that, Beth, no wrong answers here. But have have you been watching? had a chance of course yes <laughs> yes michael's a close friend you gotta watch the shows that the you gotta do. you gotta yeah i mean you know it's great to see the people i mean it's like seeing friends that you were so close to what are they up to yeah exactly. what's happening what's what are, what's going on with them I'm just happy to be in their presence i'll yeah. take them in any any shape and form okay so Let's get into the episode. We open with Carrie and Charlotte in an art gallery, and they're there to see a performance artist who is not talking or eating. She's on this kind of like stark white ledge, and the only way up or down is a ladder made of butcher knives. And that <laughs> performance uh, artist is played by our own Beth Lapides. So Beth, I remember the first time I met you in LA just be and being so I, I, I could not square that I was face to face with <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well with this that's person. so sweet. 
Um, well, let me say this. The uh, I have a I, should I just you know launch into Please. some of the stuff? Yeah. Well, first of all, that they licensed that performance from an actual performance artist named Marina Abramowitz. And oh, wow. she's she is a you know full on there's like an Abramowitz Institute. I just saw on Instagram, she's now making, you know, youth face products and she's a whole thing. I mean, yeah. Um oh. And in her autobiography, she refers to this, you know, show. And I think, you know, she has her opinions. But um, I remember, so this was a real piece. She really was sitting, she, and she was famously at the Museum of Modern Art doing face-to-face -face stuff with an audience. And so this piece where she was basically living on this platform in this gallery, and, you know, that ladder is like really a stunning visual, the knife, the, the knife ladder. And so she did this thing and she had a statement and they licensed the whole thing from her. So they sent me the thing and Michael asked me, he said, you know, I want you to do it, but David Frankel was directing the episode and he needs to see you. And so like, Michael's like, put, just put yourself on tape. And, you know, uh, John Melfi, who I also love, I think was, you know, wanted me to do it and, but put yourself on tape. And um, then, but Michael was like, but like, no, zhuzh. I mean, and there's no lines. I mean, there's literally, right. I mean, if you've seen the episode, I'm not telling you anything, you know, you don't know, but there's no lines. So it's me sitting on a platform and sending a tape and no zhuzh. It's like, oh, what, you know, <laughs> and I worked on that freaking self tape. I mean, for so long until I just made like sitting there doing, you know, nothing with no zhuzh castable i was like all right this is a this is a day-long project i don't know maybe it wasn't and i overworked but anyway that's what i did and so that's marina and um and previously to that i had had uh i was having lunch with mike one day and and this was before the announcement and he told me burshnikov had you know was going to be the person and and I was like, oh, my God, I had a dream about Barishnikov. This is the most incredible dream of my life. I'm in a parking garage and um, and Barishnikov is there and we're dancing. And I mean, in, you know, a parking garage is like so rapey. And instead of <laughs> like getting raped, I'm like dancing with Barishnikov. It's the most incredible dream of my life. And so it was like great. And then I get and then I that, you know, and then months later I get cast and I'm in New York. And um, so Michael is introducing me to Burishnikov and he was like, I know it's so nice. It's like, I think it was even like his first day on the set. And so there's like a billion women and then like Burishnikov. And, mm. um, and so he, Michael introduces me and he says, tell him the dream. I was like, Oh God, no, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, tell him the dream. I was like, Oh, Michael, I mean, I, I know, I know. And, and, you know, on the third time, it's like, okay, well, he's in charge. It's his show. So I start telling him the dream. And as I'm telling him the dream, and for me, I mean, it was a, it was like romance, but it was really, it didn't have that, it, in the dream itself, it was really kind of an art dream. It was really like the dancing was so incredible. It wasn't like a romantic pairing. It was like the the joy and the romance of like being with this person who had, was like the best in the world at this. Mm -hmm. And, um, but how, you can't say that like you're, I'm fumbling and I'm like, and then I'm dancing with you in, in a garage. <laughs> and I just can only imagine like, and he starts backing away. Like as I'm telling him, he's like tiptoeing away and literally trips. And I'm like, <laughs> I have just made the greatest dancer in the world trip over his own two feet. And, um, Anyway, wow. ha ha ha, sort of funny. And then he was super sweet. 
during the the actual taping and um I mean, you know, when they were doing my shots, he, he was, the, you know, and I'm supposed to be looking at, you know, he actually stayed and did that. That's very generous. I mean, oh, yeah. actors don't always do that. And he was giving, you know, he was giving it. And um, so that was amazing. And, you know, we ate lunch, lunches and, you know, it was super friendly. And then at the end, when I was wrapped, I was said, you know, thanks so much. And, you know, hey. I'm so sorry about, you know, the dream. And then he starts, and that happens all over again, all over again. I just, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, my so God. That, that was one thing of Viparishikov. <laughs> and I mean, I, he, he was amazing to work with. And um, yeah, it was a dream come true. Literally. In so many yeah, ways. You, you, you manifested I, yeah. this, and it's, I can't imagine anyone else doing it. At that so much. I mean, there was so much about. Should I just blather on about it? I mean, there was so Please. much more. Um, so a few things. One was, first of all, when you get your wardrobe. I mean, the place where they take you know the wardrobe warehouse of yeah, mm -hmm. city. It, it, epic. That's and exactly. what you wore was cool. It was a cool suit. It was just like that was white. I mean, you know, white top, black. There were two. There was two. One was white. One was black. Just super simple. Well, when they first wardrobed me, the they gave me uh, a green, an olive green one, and sort of a rusty orange one. And Michael came in, and he was like, "What? What's this? Then I don't know colors. Black and white. Black and white. It was like the most simple. I mean, people sometimes were like, "Did you get to keep your costume?" I'm like, "What costume? It was like, mm -hmm. a, it was like you know, Brooks. Uh, it wasn't. It was just like a nut. It was nothing. And in fact, the guy, the wardrobe gave me like beautiful underwear. And Michael was like, "No beautiful underwear. This is like, this isn't what this is. This is like, you know, Marina Abramowitz. Like black and white. Like super simple. So that was sort of funny. But the the actual, it it is like a slice of heaven because it's like rafters you know a thousand feet up with like every single thing that's ever been worn and you just feel mm. like you just want to breathe it in and sort of yeah it was a, that's a that's an incredible place on earth and i know a lot of that's you know i know a lot of it was donated and sold and auctioned off and probably i don't know if it probably doesn't exist anymore but anyway that was super sweet another thing is at one point michael um was you know we were walking around and he was introducing me to everyone and introduced me to the script supervisor and as we've already discussed here today i had no lines and um i said well i guess we won't be working very closely together <laughs> <laughs> michael looked at me like i mean don't you know sally field won an emmy for you know zero lines why are you you know don't say that anything like that and it's true i mean i have to say um i've become very aware of parts where there's a lot, there's not a lot of talking and it, it's such a joy for one thing. I mean, you both, I'm sure can give me a hallelujah on not having to the learn ideal lines. role in the learn no lines. Like I mean, oh God, yes. <laughs> you have to talk at a certain time. <laughs> it's weird to be like, I love acting, but I hate the part where you have to say some specific thing at a certain time. <laughs> and all that memorization. And so that part was great. And also one thing that was hilarious was I had one acting teacher who used to tell me I was using my eyebrows too much, too much expression with the eyebrows. Like, mm -hmm. you know, just, you know, put it in the words, stop using your eyebrows. 
And there's this one moment in it, you know, where I have this little eyebrow thing, right? And so many people have said to me, oh, that eyebrow thing. And I have to laugh all the time because, you know, the acting teacher was like, no eyebrows. And then, then that becomes the thing. It just, to me, is such a reminder of like, there is no rule. Like there's no one thing that you can be taught and you can be told and you can follow every rule. And then the thing that happens for you is the thing that goes against that thing even though like no eyebrows isn't a big rule in you know in life but it's not a big acting thing but for me it was just, just a little constant reminder so that's kind of funny and um i wrote about i wrote this i wrote a piece about it called to see and be seen and it was the new york times was going to publish it on the back you know that mat in the magazine the back page story Mm-hmm. And we had edited it and the whole thing. And the night before it was supposed to run, I got an email that said, we just can't. Remember how the end of Sex in the City, literally every, like, every single thing was Sex in the City. Like, every time you opened a paper was my mm-hmm. other Sex in the City thing. They were like, yeah, we can't just, can't. This, you, you, we reached the tipping point. Like, we just can't. Oh, wow. Your, yours is the where we cut. Yours is the line. <laughs> you <laughs> are the tipping point. You are the tipping point. This is now too much. This is the end. This is- you were next on the roller coaster. And <laughs> yeah, then yes, over. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I think my favorite thing about being a podcaster and a comedian is I can just unload on people while I'm working. A video game makes me mad, break out angry at him. A heckler at a club gets under my skin, I give him both barrels and I let him have it. But everyone has their problems, and there's real life stuff that I can't scream at like a video game or a drunk audience member. And that's where therapy comes into play. A therapist is the best sounding board you can find. You can let them know what's keeping you up at night or weighing you down and work together to come up with a plan to deal with it. I've been talking to therapists for years not about video games but well not usually and it's genuinely had a positive impact on my life and i know i hears you Adam, that sounds great, but who has the time? That's where BetterHelp comes in. Instead of driving across the city looking for parking, waiting in that little room and losing a couple hours of your day, BetterHelp brings therapy to you. Their sessions are 100% online. You open your therapist's schedule, pick a session that works best for you, and talk with someone over video, phone, or even just text. I've personally used BetterHelp in the past, and it was hella easy. I actually talked to my therapist while I was on vacation a couple years ago. It was awesome get it off your chest with better help visit betterhelp.com slash remember the game today to get 10 percent off your first month that's better help h-e-l-p.com slash remember the game well they say time waits for no one and neither should payday to get your money moving in the direction of your dreams get earn in earn in is the app that's helping millions of americans feel self-sufficient without falling into debt traps earn in empowers you to live life to the fullest by providing up to 100 dollars a day of your pay within minutes of earning it no mandatory fees and no credit check. You just watch your earnings tick up as you work, access up to $750 per pay period. It's easy and free to get started. You just add your bank and employment info. They'll verify your paycheck. It's designed to support you in the short term and long term. So download Earnin today. That's E 
E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, just type in Just Like Matt under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. That's Just Like Matt under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. And I mean, the other thing, the other, you know, one other thing which was so incredible about doing this part for me is, you know, I started my career as a performance artist. I started my career in New York, also Laura in 1800. And, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was a solo performance artist, you know, I toured mm-hmm. America. I've toured internationally with solo shows and NEA grants and um, the whole thing. And at a certain point I knew I wanted to be fun. And I, I was funny for a performance artist, and, you know, haha but um i knew i wanted to be funnier i knew comedy i had made a decision that like i was like either life is basically life is you know you go along and you finally get it and you die and then i was like that's either hilarious or tragic and i think you get to pick and i'm gonna decide it's hilarious and i was like well if it's hilarious then i should be funnier i mean it's a very like you know roundabout way of saying i would decide to be funnier and so i was gonna start working in comedy clubs and i kind of kept up you know it it was a transition and in some ways i still consider myself a performance artist but i left the life of performance art and um so to be it was so amazing to be brought back and i'm so grateful for this i mean forever grateful for this part and you know to be brought back and to play uh you know probably one of the three most famous performance artists um as an actress to come back from LA to New York and play a performance artist. It was really such, if you, I really love to see my life in cycles and spirals and circles. And, you know, it was such a full circle moment and it was, it was really amazing for me in that way. That was my own, that's my own personal behind the scenes, what it meant to me, little Mark, but. It's amazing to, to go behind the curtain with you. I mean, it is, it is a great performance. I mean, as much as we've like joked about the, you know, lack of dialogue, you're telling a story and I, do you remember do you remember how 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 method you I mean obviously you were eating and sleeping unlike the character but <laughs> beyond that do you remember taking it really seriously oh, as an actor in the moment yeah super seriously I really did um she had a big you know artist statement that went with the piece that was I, I'm not going to be able to quote it to you, but it was about connection with the audience and, you know, the viewer and the artist and the viewer and what happens when you look at each other. And I think actually Sarah Jessica reads some of that. I think somebody reads some of that in the script, but for sure I read it and, um, and I did it. I mean, they had a whole audience in there and I did it with them and it was super intense. It was a super intense experience I don't know about for the audience. I mean, I mean, not for the audience, but you know, I don't know about the audience, the performance art audience, the people in the room. I don't know what their experience was, but my experience as the artist who was, you know, doing it, I was doing the piece and it was very effective in terms of like, you know, the exchange of energy and just looking at each other. It was really a piece about the artist and the audience looking at each other directly and what happens and as a metaphor for, all of our, you know, us looking at sex in the city and in a way, you know, 
something like this podcast is an exchange of our experience of looking and what it, how this show changes us and, you know, deep connections. So uh, I definitely did do the piece as I was doing it. And it definitely did make, you know, did, I did have feelings. I don't know. I can't tell you what the, what the audience felt, but I did. Yeah. Well, this leads us to, Oh, go ahead, Laura. I was going to say, I felt like that really came through and I felt like, like, cause it didn't, like there's a version of doing that where you're just like, oh, I'm a human piece of meat and that's just the bit. <laughs> and it's really about Barishnikov and Carrier on a date. And, but it really, came, it was very grounded. You, it, you felt like New York City. Mm. Like that was my tape, but as I, as I hit it and I want you to, so my, my fiance is a, uh, he's a jazz trumpet player and he decided that at 10 years old. So our cultural, he had never seen Sex and the City is, is why I mentioned that. So, cause our cultural references are the same up until like 1980. And then uh -huh. he's like, oh, I've never heard of, I just paid attention to dead, dead guys after that, <laughs> jazz guy. Yeah. Can you hear my dog? Sorry, she just- Your dog got very excited about this story, yeah. Somebody's at the door. Yeah, her input is welcome, don't worry about it. Okay. Um, so, but he, as soon as you came on screen, he goes, Oh, Jennifer Aniston. Yes. <laughs> yes. Get that I, a lot. Oh, oh my God. HBO that was, I was like, yeah, Jennifer. Okay. H HBO has gotten, I mean, even when it happened, um, they got, they got like all this mail about like, how did you get Jennifer Aniston? To oh do my this? God. I mean, he's not alone. And, and if you That's Google me. it, it's like Jennifer Aniston, you know, HB, you know, sex and city and this episode comes up and it's a thing. And I continue to look at myself and I just think, all right, I don't know. I don't see it, but I don't I mind. See it. I, I, don't I see it. I laughed and wanted to pass that along, but I was like, no, I absolutely. I see it. That's nice. That is well, yeah, the that's highest praise. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> it is. And it's yeah, and it's very true. So, yeah, I mean, this this is of course where we meet Petrovsky, and obviously Varishnikov is a legend, and his performance is wonderful. Mm. You know, Laura, I guess my question is, how much do you hate Petrovsky? He for me is the worst person that <laughs> Carrie ever dated. And that includes Berger. You know, she dated some real duds. Berger. He's just he's just the worst. You know, the the fact that right from the jump, he is just so humorless. And then of course becomes a true asshole later on when they go to uh to Paris. But what what is your feeling around Petrovsky? I listen, this is hard for me to talk about because I am a little codependent and I just want to uh, agree. So, but the truth <laughs> is, and, the, and I also don't want to say anything gross, but I, here go, I'm going to go against my nature in several ways right now. He was so hot when he came on stage, I, I, when he came on screen, I like got my period again. <laughs> really, that's disgusting. But I, I was just, I was like, suddenly 13 i was like any mention of brishnikov i'm like you have no right to ask i'm just like it's white nights i'm like hitting puberty like 
the character I had not considered until you actually brought it up <laughs> of like, well, what do I think of that? Because I just, I'm, I was just panting over like Barishnikov and Beth is in a room with Barishnikov. And I'm like, I'm a, a degree away from Barishnikov. That was my, I, I, I started thinking of Jessica Tandy. I looked up who he's married to now. Listen, I really went um, as a character. I mean, I don't know. He's just one of those guys who's like, He's the foxy, sexy, older guy, artist that I guess is a certain type. Like, you know, I, I rewatched this in several other episodes, so I don't really remember how much of it. But it was one of those like they are doing the thing of because they want them attracted to each other. They're laughing at each other's things that aren't really funny at all. They're mm. just hormonally inclined to be like, <laughs> you brought light and dark chocolate you're amazing like just they don't really do anything yeah. but he was I don't know I guess I liked it he was sexy mysterious artist like he's in there welding I mean come on he's I jumped ahead to the next episode but it's like you know I it's because I, I that's so it it is such an interesting litmus test to find out which of the men in the show do it for different I mean, people have very different reactions i think to... i liked burger too <laughs> i think i did i um i didn't like big i did it first so maybe i'm upside down on her boyfriends but i just like i love steve Worse. Well, Steve wasn't her boyfriend. No, no, I know. I'm but just like, did I miss something? Wait, no, no, just the boys of the thing. Oh. I'm just like, no, I, I love Evan Handler. I forget his, but like, I liked and did. So I don't know. I, I might be reverse on like how we feel about Carrie's boyfriends. I don't know. Because to me, Big was just like the worst. So I guess I, I kind of yeah, like the hot artists. Was so happy when he died. Spoiler alert, Laura. Sorry. Um, <laughs> that I knew. Just like that, did, I'm sure you know that. No, he was. Yeah, and he's that guy you're never gonna let go of, right? Like he has to die. Like he's the guy. He like to. you're never gonna leave him. He has to. He has to end. Like that Peloton did did for her what she could not do for herself. <laughs> That's right. And good riddance. But Beth, but did you Matt, have any why... emotional attachments to the 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 men of Sex and the City? I, I think I loved them all. I think I, I so was like just her when she loved them, I loved them. And you know, when yeah. I was never rooting for one to I think the yeah I what did you I mean obviously you know the narcissistic artist is um, the most appealing and the worst for you. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I say that, you know, probably identifying also with him. Uh, so, I mean, I think, <laughs> it, it, you know, it was probably interesting to me to see what he brought, you know, which things each boyfriend brought out in her. To me, it was always about her. Or all of them more than, oh, I have to tell you something. One thing that I learned while I did this. So, you know, when they're at the coffee shop, maybe other people have already told you this. Maybe it's widely known. I don't know. I didn't know it. When they're sitting in the coffee shop and they're looking out the window, what you can't really see, but is there on the set, in the set, when you're sitting in the coffee shop and you look out the window, the store across the street is a bridal store that has four wedding gowns in the window. 
Wow. Did you just get shivers? Isn't I, that insane? I, I, oh, really? I did not know this. It's a, Yeah. Wow. One for each of our gals. One for each of our gals. So was that like, you know that from being on set or like, did yes. Michael tell you like, there's little, hey, they're all going to get no, married. They, no, he taught, I mean, you could see it. Wow. I mean, wow. he pointed it out and then I was like, oh, oh. There, you know, that's crazy. Are there more of those. I mean, it wasn't like a whole window out, like a little. I, I, you know, I don't know, but and it wasn't. I don't can't remember. I don't think it was a real bridal shop. I mean, it was a. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they dressed this. It was not a an actual bridal shop that just happened to have four (laughs) dresses. No, it was. I mean, it was a set, but I don't think it was a window. I think it was a painted a painting of winter. Either way, though. Wow, that's interesting. Don't and also, by the way, I do also want to say this: uh, anything yeah. I say could be not true. I'm not very good with facts. <laughs> I'm not here for facts. By any means. Yeah, I'm not interested either. in research. None Don't be sure. The truth I'm pretty sure. Story. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's true. I'm pretty sure I'm remembering that right. But um, I'm choosing to believe it as yeah. true. So, in it's some true. ways, I guess I. With, about the guys, I was just always so, I don't remember ever being, you know, happy or sad that she was, you know, that any of them were perfect or imperfect. I mean, Mr. Big, I mean, Big, I think, had always that thing of, like, the guy that doesn't exist. I mean, there isn't somebody like that. That doesn't, is the, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That isn't mm-hmm. a person. Yeah, it's not a person. I mean, it isn't a person, he, especially for, you know, coming from the point of view of like a female artist, um, you know, the men that, you know, Laura's uh, with a, you know, musician, I'm with a musician, the men, you know, the men who like women who are artists are artists in general. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, the other guys, in my experience, and looking at you know the women that i've known in life um i'm looking at the women i've known in life you'll fix that in post (laughs) (laughs) um you know and not to generalize uh, guys if you're listening but you know there is a thing about creative women that creative men like best you know it's it's just a good fit in my experience Mm. so that's a good point yeah and so for me, I always wondered about the big thing about, you know, her. And I think they do this in the show, the amount that she has to compromise her kind of career stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was tricky because the show was really about the friendship um, as much it's more than it was about you know, her her creativity. But, but as a creative person, I'm sure you guys too, you know, you look at her creative life and without even getting into, well, it's not realistic. She couldn't make that much money to live in that place. No, I'm not even talking about that. It's a fairy tale. But just the idea of having a creative life and how it plays out and, you know, some of the repercussions of being a writer and thinking about your life and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I'm, I'm running yeah. up against a, uh, I'm, I'm petering out here. I, ha- I don't have any further. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't want to make any generalizations, but I just have. So uh... <laughs> that's what we're here to do. Generalizations and no facts, please. <laughs> and part of the like, I guess part of why, I guess almost even from when you asked the question, I guess it, it almost never occurred to me to not like any of the guys because yeah. it just seemed like, 
And it not seemed like, I mean, that was the wish fulfillment of like the buffet of sex one can have in somewhere like New York City. Like they were, I'm from Texas, but I was in LA and they were just slightly older than me. And like, that's what I was doing, <laughs> you know, yeah. this pre AA for me. So <laughs> this was, you know, like I was not any of these people, but in my mind, I kind of what, you know, like I was sampling and that was like a goal of mine. Like I wanted to sample a spectrum of humanity, you know, in that way. And yeah. so it, what it is just like, yeah, like take me on a story with the sexy art, like, you know, like, I don't, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Oh, and I, you know, and I definitely related to her. I was, I was totally like, I go to bed with you. I'm a Samantha. I wake up a Charlotte, like, which Carrie did with him of like, oh, mm -hmm. he's just my lover. Oh, now, now I love him. No, and like, that was always my, my one, two trap. Oh yeah. That is a tough, tough combo. It's a tough one. Yeah, I think that a lot, a lot of my sluttier years were very informed by the show in that, like, I would go out with guys that I just knew would they would make a great story. Yeah. I would tell my yeah, friends. Yeah, I'd tell yeah. my friends about them. And I'd write about them. And, yeah. Well, let's talk about the, the title and theme of the episode. It's just called One. And... Carrie's, you know, question of the episode in her column is some version of like, when will waiting for the one be done? Now, I don't, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that it, at this stage of our lives, none of us is spending too much time thinking about <laughs> it, who, have I found the one? Is, is my person the one? Where, what is like? Well, after but, you finish with the one and you're on your two, you know, the two and the four, you know, it's like, at a you got to stop counting at a certain yeah. point. Yeah. So what I want to know about a moment in your life when that was the quest, mm. when you believed in the one, when you were searching for the one, was there such a time for either of you? Wow. Yeah. I mean, in New York, you know, these days of the performance art days and the early comedy days and living in little Italy, you know, Williamsburg and little Italy and running around and also pre-sobriety and you know just running around um i think though it wasn't that i was looking for the one i was looking for the life and i just did have the sense that there was somebody who would make the life work you know that mm -hmm. there was like a it wasn't that it the one always implies to me that this person is going to give meaning give you the meaning and i definitely w knew that i wanted to have I knew what I wanted and I felt like there was somebody who could make it easier or not easier that but more whole or you know it was like it where it could be like I could focus on work because this person was in place that's what really I, I honestly I it sounds kind of crazy mm -hmm. now but not at all I mean as a driven person you sort of want the and I you know and running around and being out until two and three and four in the morning and going to clubs was not the worst thing in the world for a young performer, you know, a young artist, you meet a lot of people, but, um, you know, there comes a time and also, you know, you know, there, there, there were other, anyway, the, those factors. Um, and I did actually meet somebody who, you know, for many years I was a creative partner with. So, uh, for me, I was always looking for that, the creative partnership. Um, and I did kind of think it would last my whole life and then it didn't. So there you go. 
Warmer, sunnier days are a-coming, and you are probably working on those wellness goals for summer. I know I am, and I am fueling up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. With 35 different meals, more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, with Factor, you will always have new flavors to explore. And you know, when you support our sponsors, you support me and our show. So if you visit factormeals.com slash likemat50 and use code likemat50, you will get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription's active. So make your day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, you can stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. And these are premium ingredients. I'm talking restaurant quality meals like filet mignon, shrimp, blackened salmon. So head to factormeals.com slash likemat50 and use code likemat50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code likemat50 at factormeals.com slash likemat50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. That's actually, and very, and just like that. And just like uh, that. Because um, as we've learned from the show, that some of the most interesting things can happen after that um, page turns. Yeah. Yeah. And Laura, keeps... what about for you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love what you said. And I love that you said it out loud. Like maybe it's out there, but it's not out there a lot because I did the same thing and I have not known how to really express it, but I, you know, I get old fashioned wise wanted a wife, you know, mm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, like I, I panic married when I was 30, my mom was very sick and I felt fat and old and it was over for me. And some guy with a goatee proposed and I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, and it was not awesome, but I just thought, well, he'll give me stability. Like I'm crazy and I'm all over the place. And, and I wanted, I longed for that, like stability so I can just focus on my work mm. and career. And, you know, instead it was an anchor and, a, <laughs> you know, I couldn't. And also for me, like I was so, I was such an internal mess and sort of an asshole that like, I was still looking for the one, like I was married, but I would still be like, well, maybe I'll meet him here. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Fully married. Like, did you ever think you were married <laughs> and he would become the one by being married to you? It, it, you know what? It was no, it, he was just so, it wasn't like he was bad. It was just not a, he did, there wasn't much there, there to, to be honest. Mm. I just was like sad and, you know, it just not, I wasn't, you know, such a prize, but it just wasn't, <laughs> there, there wasn't a there, there, but I did want that. And I, and then I had a thing that I thought was my Harry met Sally. He's the one, this seven year thing that, uh, in retrospect, I was just hanging on to what I thought that relationship was and that it actually wasn't very good. And can I, can I try to tell you in a, in a quick story? Cause I do, I do think the person I'm with is the one, and I do think of it in those terms. And I knew from our first date. And can I try to tell you that story quickly? Please. We're on our first date. We met uh, online dating and then we, you know, we're messaging and I, I think I really like him. And I'm asking all these questions that you just don't ask before you meet. Like, did you ever cheat on your wife? And, you know, you're a musician, <laughs> but I had been cheated on. And I was like, you know, let's just out with it. Like I'm time's a wasting. And so and I'm in my late forties at this point, and uh, we decide to meet and we're at a restaurant and we walk 
we're what we like the looks of each other. We're like, great, headed to the table. A waiter gets in front of me with a tray and then gets kind of distracted. And that tray starts to tip toward, I'm dressed up. And it starts to tip to, and I'm like, well, it's not gonna fall. He's a professional. Wet. Oh, and this tray <laughs> hits my chest, <gasps> crashes to the, everyone turns and looks and, and this guy doesn't know what to do. He's like 10 feet in front of me, like, oh no. and. That luckily it was empty plates and so but I'm just like oh what do I do and I I I was like do you need a rain check like you were just assaulted by plates and what do you you know and I was like I think I'm okay and I and I sit down and this is what Brian did and I've been with him every moment since the, this is how I knew Brian looked at me very sweetly across the table and he said are you okay mm -hmm. and I was like you know what it was weird adrenaline. I'm embarrassed, but yeah, I, I'm okay. And just as sweetly maintaining eye contact, he looks at me across the table and he says, can I laugh now? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's my dude. Like that is so, <laughs> you just, that's such, that's, that's awesome. That's a great Consent story. is everything, you know, and <laughs> I was especially like, in that moment yeah first sweet and thoughtful and then a bit of a smart ass I was like that's that's my guy oh that's yeah a, that's great that story. is the one that is yeah. that was that one. was the one and and not the way that Lionel Richie outlined it hmm. you know Turns I out. never knew to look for that you know yeah it was mm -hmm. never <laughs> it's not in a love song you know one of the better boyfriends I think that we have uh, met in our travels is Robert. And he ends up kind of getting the short end of the stick with with Miranda. You know, this is Blair Underwood character. Oh, Writes, yeah. I love you on the cookie and sends Miranda into this panic spiral. Any thoughts on, on the Robert and Miranda story? Also, he's so delicious. Like I was, yeah. again, I rewatched and was like, oh my God, Blair underwood are you kidding me so um, hot he's so he's so hot and so into her but he was also so mean i know they end up breaking up in a weird way but he became like he said some weird it's weird for him to be like you like chocolate don't <laughs> there, there was yeah there was, some, there was some weirdness but he was like I don't know. That's why those stories, I feel like that's why that show meant so much. Like, I feel like we were told as women and people, you're this kind of person or you're that kind of person. And then Sex in the City was like, well, it's actually a little complicated because he was the guy that you want to be with and he's your dream guy. And he's, and then she just had her feelings for Steve. And then she yeah. just did. She just, couldn't help it. And, you know, I can't make myself love someone I, I can't love. And, you know, like, I just thought that was, I don't know. I love that. But yeah, I love that guy. I mean, that's the guy you want to be sex with that guy in your building. Like he's just right there in your building. Yeah. Yes. It is relatable to panic after he tells, because I, I'd be like, you, sorry, you love me. What's oh. happening now? This cannot be real. <laughs> Not that Miranda isn't beautiful and deserving, but well, you know, I think it's also we cookie, we though. we know so much more about relationships and love now than we did. I don't know. It's not so crazy the amount of like mental health and like, I mean, I feel like TikTok and Instagram are just this like constant. This maybe my feed, but you know, 
even I just feel like you can't avoid it. There's just so much like information about like healthy relationships and mm. mental health and like, oh, love bombing. Like, did any of us ever hear of love bombing then? It's like, no. you know, we wouldn't, you, you don't pick it up, you know? So I think there was a lot of like, what's good on paper and what's real. I mean, I like that about the show. It's like the good on paper versus, you know, knowing what you're really feeling. And I think a lot of it was, learning emotional intelligence like as they grew up you know being less naive about you and your own needs and what you're feeling and that's this story is part of that you know yeah yeah it's also interesting i mean you're right laura robert really does it, it, it sours a bit in the end um you know he he definitely gets he, he turns on miranda kind of an ugly way in probably the next episode but he's someone I would love to see come back in and just like that, because mm -hmm. and this is another spoiler for you, Laura. I apologize, but Miranda is now fully gay. No, and, I know. I know some and, of the things. Yes. 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 <laughs> and so I'm not completely. I'm just not caught up, but I'm not totally uncaught up. But yeah. But how great for him to come back and for her to be like, you know what? It wasn't that you weren't the one or Steve was the one. It was yeah. that none, none of you were turns yeah. up. I mean, I think also, you know, at the time, people change, you know, bisexuality mm -hmm. is a thing, polyamory, uh, you know, wasn't that she wasn't into it then. It's just now is different. Well, yeah. like, and just like that, I mean, I love that that was the title, you know, that I love that they found that title that, you know, refers to change and that people are changing because in some ways what was so great about Sex and the City and, you know, as a show was... You know, unlike, you know, that whole period of TV, because, you know, we have the sitcom where people were the same and you had to be the same and it was the same mm -hmm. thing. And then you get into an area of scripted shows where it's like, oh, wait, maybe people could change. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. it's possible. And so which parts of people can change? I mean, which, you know, is is, you know, is somebody going to, you know, which parts can change and which parts yeah. are essentially your, you and I think. You know, for me, at the, you know, difference between when I'm, you know, was young and in New York and now looking for a partner now, I, you know, what I love about my relationship now is, you know, it's a, it is about change. It's not, I don't love you just the way you are. And I don't want to be loved just the way I am. <laughs> I want a partner and change. And I want somebody who for the rest of their life is involved in growth and change. And, and I think the show really it's a really interesting the way Michael has, you know, been able to keep characters consistent enough to, you know, make the audience happy and also, you know, let people change. And yeah. um, so I don't think that Miranda's, you know, being, you know, gay says, oh, this other part wasn't true. It just says, oh, well, this is also true. People are mm -hmm. bigger and more complicated mm -hmm. than maybe we were giving them the chance to be. Yeah, well said. Did anybody have a reaction to, um, I had a strong reaction when she told Steve she loved him in the laundry room with the cake, but I, I had a negative reaction. Was that just me? Oh, do tell. I, I feel like I love Steve more than Miranda did. <laughs> I, I did anybody I felt so protective of Steve yeah and also he had the cutest girlfriend and she really loved him and when Miranda blurts you know 
I love you. You're the one I've always loved you. Like I, I knew I was supposed to feel like, oh good, they're getting back together. But I, I, I didn't, I was like, my chest hurt and I've seen it. I was rewatching it, but I was like, oh, that's right. And my chest hurt for Steve. Cause I was like, it, it can never work between you. It it didn't work between she's this high powered and you just like to play basketball in the park and it's really not going to change. And it doesn't matter how much you like. I, I really felt like when your friend is like, I'm getting back with Mark and you're just like, Oh, it's, it's going to be a lot mm -hmm. of painful phone calls with you for the next six 20 months. years. So, like, <laughs> I, I hurt. It's like, and it's one, it's also even more complicated because the way the show is set up as a viewer, my friend is Miranda, right? But I know Miranda well enough to know Steve is about to get his ass kicked. Right. <laughs> I was just, I was like team, I'm team Steve in that one. Cause I'm just like, oh. Fair. I think they did a great job in making people love Steve and oh. Miranda both, and let, or not making, but letting mm -hmm. and I understanding that like mosquitoes you know, it's also just like there isn't a right path and mistakes are part of life. And I think that it had that relationship really is about that. Mm. You know, I mentioned this earlier, but Samantha, meanwhile, I know we have to wrap up, but just quickly, Samantha's storyline. And this is I like the third week in a row on this podcast that it, we have done a pube storyline and but this oh. one of, you know, is the, you know, she finds the great pube, she dyes it, it turns orange, she has to shave it and but this one actually does resonate because it is about her her vanity and her fear of aging, which very mm. much resonates with me mm. at this stage of life. I don't know if I'm alone there. What? Aging? I I'm sorry. I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, I didn't rewatch the episode right before uh, this. So I do know, though, that, you know, the intersection of beauty and aging and how, you know, details that's mm. that, I mean, that's one of the great things about the show. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was an editor choice. So in it just recap, she, and she dyes her pubes and then they come out like orange red, like it's, it's not good, but there is a clown at the children's party and there is a match cut from the yes. <laughs> either from like from her weird pubes to the clown's wig or the other direction. Oh, right, right, right. Just right, a chef's right. kiss. Transition. I was slow clap chef's yeah. kiss in my living room, like going, Well, you you did it, didn't you? Good oh for my god. You really did. You really did. That was so great. Oh my god. Well, I guess we'll end on orange pubes, on wow. uh clown Is pubes. It. Is there any better place to end? I don't think and so. Beth and Beth looks like Jennifer <laughs> Aniston. That's right. That's that actually should be Jennifer the title Aniston of this is like, I don't remember doing Sex in the City, but I guess I did. <laughs> and she's like, and by the way, I looked great. Yeah. I, I, I did mean, a great I, performance. Yeah. I get to keep that suit. Where is it? <laughs> Laura House, Beth Lapidas, thank you both Thanks. so, so much for doing this. Thank you thank so you much, Matt. Like great to see you. Great to see you, Laura, too. Thanks for having me. You do, yeah. And that's our show. Please do give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at and just like Matt Pod. 
And Just Like Matt is a World of Wonder production created and hosted by me, Matt McConkie. Our executive producer is Renee Colvert. Our associate producer is Jess Walinski. And our audio engineer is Justin Matson. Many thanks to Michael Pressman and everyone at World of Wonder. 